Hi, I'm Dr. Vivian Lowe, and you're on VLMD Rounds, a podcast on medical science and tools to optimize your health. So this week, uh, I was at dance class, and right before the class, my friend Lourdes came up to me and she said, you know, I was thinking of you today because I have a question for you. And it turns out that she had made herself some carrot ginger juice that morning. And she thought as she was drinking her juice, she said, you know, I thought of you and I wondered what you thought of my concoction here, right? So she had a question for me and she says, so what are the pros and cons of my carrot ginger juice? Now, this was right before class and my intention was, oh, okay, got it, Lourdes. And I thought after class, I'd go home, maybe write her uh, an email or message her and just give her some of my opinions there. But as I was driving home, it occurred to me that, hey, maybe I could work this into an episode, right? Why not talk about, you know, this in in one of my episodes? Now, generally, I try to plan these episodes, you know, at the beginning of the month when I'm making my newsletter, I try to um, think about what I would be talking about in the podcast episodes for the month, right? So I have some kind of scheme in my head. But, uh, you know, this month just kind of got away from me. It was very, very busy. And I've just kind of been doing it per week, whatever came to mind. So haven't actually been planning it, right? Guilty admission here. So I did have in my head a topic that, you know, probably I could I could talk about that. But after Lourdes' question to me, I thought, hey, maybe I'll just work her question into an episode, right? So I can talk about uh, her juice. And I'm going to actually specifically focus on the ginger, right? And I'm going to leave the carotenoids, the carrot part, Maybe for later, if you're interested, let me know. Maybe we could do a whole episode on that, right? Because I am actually experimenting right now. You know, some of the feedback that I've gotten from people, um, they've told me that when they listen to an episode, they feel like they have to take notes. And I thought, oh dear. I mean, I didn't intend to have that effect, right, on people and make them feel like they had to take notes. Um, Some people have told me that, well, you know, they feel like it's a lot of information to synthesize and, and, and kind of get into their heads in one episode. So I thought, okay, I am going to try to, you know, not put so much in per episode cram so much in and maybe that would make it easier for people and maybe um, you know people would prefer that so I'm experimenting and you know normally I would be like okay carrot ginger juice let's do the whole thing let's do the carrot part let's do the ginger part and then I I've learned so through my learning curve okay maybe we'll just focus on one aspect so I decided to focus on the ginger aspect simply because 
I know it seems more interesting to me at this time. Okay, so we're going to try that and I'm going to see if I can make my episodes shorter as well because sometimes I know I go on and on. I get so excited about these things that I get to share with you, but that might make the episode too feel too crammed. Okay, so I'm trying to space things out a bit more. Give me your opinion. Let me know, you know, what you prefer, what's helpful. And uh, you can leave me a comment or just go to my website. Uh, but either way, let's experiment. Let's try this out today. And I will be, again, focusing on ginger. I'm holding up a piece of ginger here uh, for this episode. Let's go. Okay, so ginger, I think everyone um, is familiar with this spice, right? It's very commonly used in the East. And uh, we see it in many cuisines also around the world, but it's widely used medicinally in Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine. And, um, you know, when I was reading on ginger, uh, I found out that it's actually not found in the wild and all the ginger that we have is cultivated ginger. Now, you know, it's been used for thousands of years. So somewhere in the past, it must have grown in the wild, right? And, you know, maybe because of changes in our environment, now we don't find it in the wild and it has to be cultivated. But I bet at some point in time, it was in the wild. Now, the part that we use is the rhizome, R-H-I-Z-O-M-E, and that's the root part because the plant has leaves and also the root part. So we're familiar, I think, with the rhizome, and that's really uh, what is biologically active there. It's got lots of volatile oil and non-volatile compounds such as oleoresin, okay? Now, when we look at the chemical compounds that are present in ginger, there are over 400 compounds there. So it's quite complicated, right? And many of these are bioactive and they have all kinds of complicated names. One maybe simple way to think of them is to put them into two main groups, right? So there would be the phenols, and these are things like the gingerols, the shogols, and the paradols. And then we also have the terpenes, T-E-R-P-E-N-E-S, okay? Now, we're going to focus mainly on the phenols because gingerol, which is a phenol, gingerol is the main bioactive component of ginger, and all the you know, wonderful things that we uh, can use ginger for, it seems to be through the action of this bioactive compound, the gingerol, but also some of its metabolites, for example, the shogols, okay? So we're focusing on the phenol group here. Now, gingerol is water-soluble, but it's also lipophilic, all right? So it actually um, can actually dissolve in lipids as well. So this means it has very high GI absorption. So when you take any, 
you know, into your mouth and you, it goes down your digestive tract. We're going to absorb a lot of it. And furthermore, it can cross the blood-brain barrier. So this is really important because this means that it can get into the brain and have many of its effects in the brain. Very, very useful. Okay. Now, when we talk about the benefits of ginger, really the main thing that comes to mind would be its antioxidant activity, right? It's been very well known that it has strong antioxidant ability. So under, um, you know, oxidative stress from environmental, for example, pollutants, uh, smoking, alcohol, um, other aspects of the diet, let's say a highly processed diet and chronic stress, your body generates reactive oxygen species or free radicals. And in essence, these are just very volatile, reactive uh, chemicals that can damage the body. And when you have an antioxidant, this antioxidant then can scavenge these free radicals. By that, we mean that it can neutralize the effects, the damaging effects of those reactive oxygen species. So as you can see, as we live our daily lives and go through our day and have different encounters in our environment and stress and so forth, we're making all these reactive oxygen species, these free radicals that are very damaging right throughout our body. So it's very useful to have antioxidants to mop up the damage, to kind of restrain those molecules and limit the damage, all right? So ginger, very, very strong evidence here that it has proven um, antioxidant abilities. They've done different types of tests like the ferric reducing antioxidant power test or the FRAP, right? And the many other tests that have shown that it's a really good antioxidant probably due to the phenolic compounds again, right? Now, surprisingly, uh, people think that the fresh ginger must be the most potent in terms of the antioxidant ability, and it turns out that's not true, right? So fresh ginger, it's so-so, eh -eh, but more potent in the antioxidant uh, ability would be dried ginger. And that's because the fresh ginger has high moisture content. Now, when you dry it, you concentrate um, the compounds, but also in the drying process, there's a, you know, a, and, and heating, right, to dry it up, we actually form a metabolite of the gingerol, and that would be the sugars, and this has high antioxidant capacity, right? So dried ginger better than fresh. Dried ginger also better than stir-fried ginger. So I know, no, we use ginger in our cooking, right? Stir-fried Asian cuisine, for example. But actually the dried uh, ginger has better antioxidant effect than the stir-fried. And the stir-fried has better antioxidant effect than carbonized ginger. So the more you heat it up, the more you decrease the antioxidant uh, capacity of the ginger. So we want the dried ginger, it's a little bit of heating, and that's the best. But if you continue to heat it, right, then it starts to lose that antioxidant activity. Now, if you're getting your ginger from supplements, for example, a lot of times people use extracts, right? 
then it's going to depend on the potency is going to depend on the extraction method and the solvents used as well. So you have to keep that in mind, right? So it's different from just the food version. As I said, it's protective against oxidative stress, um, probably through numerous antioxidant pathways. One of them is that the sugarols, I told you these are metabolites of the gingerols, right? They increase intracellular glutathione. So glutathione is an endogenous antioxidant, right? So your body makes this antioxidant. And when you have ginger, when you ingest ginger, we actually increase your body's production of glutathione. The genes uh, are turned on for glutathione synthesis. So that's also a good thing. Furthermore, there have been studies that looked at human mesenchymal stem cells. These are stem cells that they actually subjected to ionizing radiation. And as you can tell, um, you're going to damage those cells. You're going to damage the DNA in the cells. But if you added the uh, ginger oleoresin, okay, different bioactive compound, if you added that, then we actually significantly decrease the damage uh, from ionizing radiation to those stem cells. So very potent antioxidant uh, ability there. It's also well known for its anti-inflammatory effect. And, you know, we've seen different animal models, rodent models of arthritis, and they give the ginger, and we've seen great efficacy for decreased inflammation. There was a recent RCT or randomized control trial where they use oral and topical application of ginger. So they put it on the person, and, but there was also oral ingestion, right? And this seemed to be effective against inflammation and pain. So the study that's been quoted a lot is with ginger oil, 33 milligrams per kilogram. That was done in a rat model. They gave the rats the ginger oil uh, by mouth, right, uh, in the diet for 26 days. Now, they had induced arthritis in those poor rats, but when they gave the ginger oil for the 26 days, there was significant decrease in paw and joint swelling. So it really seemed to help those rats. Now, we decrease the oxidative stress and we inhibit inflammatory cytokines to get that anti-inflammatory effect. So cytokines are signaling molecules that immune cells send out to each other and to other cells in the body to rev up the inflammatory processes in your body, right? So obviously you don't want a lot of these things floating around. Well, the ginger uh, can actually inhibit the production of these inflammatory cytokines. In addition, ginger can inhibit prostaglandin and leukotriene synthesis. So these are substances that are made by your body when there's some tissue damage in the body. So the prostaglandins, for example, are lipids or fatty substances, and they're made by your uh, cells in your body whenever there's damage in the body. And also leukotrienes, these are made by immune cells 
when there's again inflammation and damage right so we rev up inflammation with prostaglandins and leukotrienes but ginger compounds can actually inhibit the synthesis or the production of these compounds and thereby help to decrease the inflammation so already we've seen strong antioxidant effect and also good anti-inflammatory effect but now more recently people have been talking about ginger in relation to neuroprotection protecting the brain and you know people have done studies mostly mice models but um, it seems to help with memory and to decrease neuroinflammation or inflammation in the brain don't forget i told you earlier that it can cross the blood-brain barrier so this means it can get into the brain which makes it very useful because it can have its effects in the brain and in rodent models as i said we see decrease inflammatory signaling again through those uh, cytokines in addition we also see that it can promote synapse formation so it's helping the neurons make more synapses. Seems to have a regenerative effect there. And when we give the ginger to those rodents in those um, studies, we also see increased antioxidant levels in the brain. Not surprising, right? Those effects that we see in other parts of the body because the ginger compounds can cross into the brain, they can have those effects in the brain as well and obviously we have different effects in different organ systems throughout the body so it's been seen to be protective uh, of the liver for example of lung right in lung injury models of kidneys and i think the most well-known uh, system uh, that we think of when we talk about ginger would be the GI tract, the gastrointestinal tract, right? And that's because I think ginger is probably most well known for its anti-nausea or anti-vomiting effect, right? Seems to help a lot. You hear a lot of people say, oh, if you're nauseated, take some ginger. At least I heard that when I was growing up. Now, it may have this effect by helping to break up any buildup of intestinal gas so you know that with babies for example when they have a buildup of gas they have colic it's very painful and it can make them very uncomfortable in my adult patients if you have a lot of gas that can also make you nauseated and promote vomiting right so if ginger is around it can help break up the intestinal gas also increases gastric motility which means that it you know helps food or anything that's sitting in the stomach move along through your digestive tract faster so any food that is sitting in the stomach is going to get into your intestines faster not sit in your stomach and cause you to feel you know uncomfortable and nauseated in some animal models too there have been reports of anti-ulcer properties so they've helped in preventing gastric ulcers for example nobody really knows how this works and we think maybe it can inhibit some serotonin receptors and have some direct effects on your GI tract 
and also in the brain, right? But we're not really sure. But because of this reputation for treating nausea and vomiting, it's used a lot in pregnant women. So the idea is during pregnancy, as everyone knows, we're very careful what we uh, give to the mother because it might be toxic to the fetus, right? And we want to try to prevent or decrease the use of medications as much as possible, right? So in pregnant women, they've done some double-blind randomized control trials that have shown it to be the ginger to be very effective against nausea and vomiting in pregnancy and also very safe. Now there have even been studies that have uh, compared it to Dramamine which you use uh, for nausea, uh, for motion sickness for example, and it's been reported to be as effective as the Dramamine in pregnancy with fewer side effects, right? And they've done other studies comparing it to Dramamine in other populations, not in pregnancy, and uh, in naval cadets, for example. And it appears that the, uh, the effect of the ginger is at least as effective as the Dramamine and maybe even better. So what are other scenarios where we can use the ginger uh, for nausea and vomiting? Post-operative setting, for example. So if you've had surgery, a lot of times those patients after anesthesia might have some nausea and vomiting and you know, maybe some ginger would be helpful in that setting. Also with chemotherapy. So notoriously when someone's undergoing chemotherapy, then you know they might experience significant nausea and vomiting, which would impact their appetite as well. So you know, uh, it's been found to be effective together with, you know, chemotherapy. And when they give the ginger, those patients seem to do better and have less of that nauseating effect um, on those patients. Now, with chemotherapy, we're kind of having maybe, um, you know, an added effect here because Ginger has been known also to have anti-cancer effects. It has been studied in a range of cancer types. So liver cancer, lymphoma, colorectal cancer, bladder cancer, skin cancer, breast cancer, right? Different types of cancers. And we think that its anti-cancer effect is really from the antioxidant effect. And the ginger compounds can cause the tumor cells to die or inhibit their proliferation. So we suppress their signaling pathways and so they can't activate each other to grow, right? So somehow the gingerols and other bioactive compounds seem to be able to suppress the growth of the tumors. The other thing that the ginger compounds can do would be to decrease the growth of blood vessels, decrease angiogenesis. So a lot of times when cancer cells are growing, they'll also have new blood vessels growing where the tumor is because, well, that's a way to get nutrients to the cancer cell. And if you actually cut off 
the blood supply, then those cancer cells don't do as well. They can't proliferate as well and they die off because they're not getting nutrients and not getting oxygen that way, right? So when you give the ginger, that can decrease this process of angiogenesis or new uh, blood vessel formation. And therefore you cut off the nutrient supply to those cancer cells and help to kill off the cancer cells that way. All right, what else can ginger do? It's been shown to be cardioprotective. So we've had many animal models that have shown that we protect against cardiac fibrosis or scarring of the heart. Now, when the heart has been damaged and it scars up, we call that cardiac remodeling. And the problem with that is once you have a lot of scar formation in the heart, you're going to negatively impact the pump function of the heart, right? So because of the scar tissue, then your heart is a different shape and it doesn't pump as well, doesn't have that pumping function. And as a result, those hearts start to fail. So with the ginger, we've seen that it seems to protect against fibrosis, against that scarring process. Also, when we have hypoxic conditions where we have low oxygen uh, conditions, this is a big stress to the heart, as you can imagine, because it's not getting enough oxygen, right? So if you have in those animal models administration of ginger, it actually protected those cardiomyocytes, the heart cells, from dying under low oxygen uh, conditions. Now, with human studies, we've seen that ginger actually has an anti-atherosclerotic effect. So it's actually preventing atherosclerosis. It also has an anti-glycemic effect. So it's preventing high blood sugar levels, keeping the blood sugar levels within normal range. So that's very helpful, especially in diabetic patients and in people with high risk for heart disease. Now, interestingly here, I found um, a study that showed that it also decreased uh, lipoprotein little a. So another name for that is LP little a. So lipoprotein little a is actually a variant of your uh, LDL, okay? It's an LDL variant, but it's a bad variant to have because it's been associated with very high risk of um, atherosclerotic disease and heart disease, okay? So if you have uh, a lot of this LP little a floating around, you're at much higher risk for heart disease. And it appears that ginger actually decreases your LP little a levels. Uh, I've not found anything else that can decrease LP little a. I have seen LP little a levels change in my patients, um, you know, but there hasn't been anything that I have read about or studies that have seen uh, any compounds that you can take that would predictably lower LP little a. But it seems that uh, ginger may have that effect. So people with higher levels of LP little a maybe you want to up your ginger consumption, okay? Now, the other thing that makes it cardioprotective is that it has potent antiplatelet activity. So with heart disease, 
we can have clot formation with platelets aggregating, right, clumping and forming a clot. And so if you have ginger around, it actually prevents that and prevents the clot from forming. So these are numerous ways in which it can have cardioprotective effects on us. Now, as an obesity specialist, you can imagine that my interest would be um, ginger's effect on fat, okay? Always want to know about fat, right? I'm fascinated by fat. In many, many animal models, we've seen that ginger seems to have anti-obesity properties, okay? It's not as glamorous as those new drugs that come out, but you know, really predictably, we've seen that when we give these animal models ginger, right, they decrease their body weight, they decrease their fat mass, and that's very consistent. Now, when we look at humans, there are strong correlations between ginger consumption to and decrease obesity and improve lipid panels as well, okay? So this seems to be also happening in humans. Now, uh, there was a study that I looked at, and this was in a diet-induced model of obesity in, in mice. And these mice, they were, you know, made obese through the diet, and then they were given ginger in their diet for seven weeks. And they noted, the researchers noted that this induced fatty acid oxidation, so we're burning more fats, and it prevented oxidative stress. Not surprising, right, because of the strong antioxidant capacity there from the ginger. And those animals had decreased body weight. They were actually uh, had very good sugar control, so even though they had obesity, they really had decreased hyperglycemia, and they had improved lipid panels particularly the triglycerides uh, were low, okay? So that's a good thing. They also noted that there were changes in gene expression in the liver and also in the fat tissue of those mice. So the liver, we had decreased liver fat and that uh, liver fat accumulation actually dropped by 50%. So decreased fatty liver disease, decreased lipogenesis or fat making in the liver, decreased inflammation in the liver. So very useful maybe for fatty liver, right? I did a whole episode on uh, fatty liver disease and maybe we could be using ginger here just to help out, help with healing and decrease of um, fat accumulation in the liver. Now, what about in the fat cells? So it turns out that um, when these mice were given ginger, we saw a significant decrease in fat cell number. So there were less fat cells and fat cell size. So the fat cells were smaller, right? And as a result, there was also decreased fat inflammation because when you have too many fat cells or when the fat cells swell up, right, too much and become too big, then we have a state of chronic inflammation there. And because ginger decreased both, they decreased the number of fat cells, decreased the size, right, so they were less swollen, we had less fat inflammation as well. It turns out that ginger also seemed to increase energy uh, expenditure, right? And 
it improved cold tolerance. So people started digging around to see whether it had effects on brown fat. I did a whole episode on brown fat, but basically brown fat is fat that actually burns up energy and makes heat in your body. So you're kind of wasting calories that way, right? You're just burning up even as you're sitting, even as you're lying in bed, you're just burning up these calories and making heat. And that's what brown fat does. And the idea is if you have increased brown fat, then you're just consuming more energy even at rest, right? So ginger actually increased brown fat activity in those um, diet-induced models of obesity in mice. And we saw increased browning of white fat. So the white fat actually became more thermogenically active became actually um, more brown-like, okay, or beige fat. Again, you can check out that episode uh, in the podcast. All right, so at this point, let's do a quick uh, wrap-up or summary of what we've discussed so far, and then I want to go into how you can actually use the ginger, all right? So we talked about how you know, ginger has many bioactive compounds. Probably the ones that we're interested in are the phenols, particularly uh, the gingerol, 6-gingerol, and also the sugars, which are metabolites from the breakdown of the gingerol, okay? It's very well absorbed in your GI tract and co- can go into the brain. And primarily, we know that actually um, the fresh ginger isn't as good as the dried ginger, all right? And that's, again, because of the higher moisture content in the fresh ginger. So really, when you want that antioxidant effect, you really want to go for the dried gingers. You can dry your ginger. Maybe you have uh, one of those dehydrators, those kinds of things. Maybe you could put your ginger there, right? And um, then from that point onwards, the more you heat up the ginger, so if you stir fry or then even worse, you carbonize it and you higher heat, right? then you actually decrease the antioxidant qualities. So you want to be careful if you're cooking with the ginger, you probably don't want to use too much heat or else you negate uh, those um, antioxidant effects. Now it has anti-inflammatory properties as well. And this is due to decreasing oxidative stress, decreasing inflammatory signals in your body and inhibiting prostaglandins and leukotrienes, which are substances that are made when we have tissue damage in your body. Furthermore, because it can cross the blood-brain barrier, we see that it may be neuroprotective, right? There are studies now and a lot of people directing their attention that way, but at least in the animal models, we're seeing uh, protection and improved memory and increased synapse formation. So stay tuned on the neuroprotective effects of uh, gingerols. Now, in the GI tract, famously, it's known to help prevent nausea and vomiting. And this is uh, very useful in the population of pregnant women because it makes it safe to use. They're very, very really no side effects unless you hate the taste of ginger, right? And actually, uh, it has been shown to be at least as effective as Dramamine. In some cases, some people have felt it to be more effective and it's very safe, so no side effects again. 
We can also use it in post-operative settings. We can use it with chemotherapy as well to decrease the nausea and vomiting. And in relation to cancer, it seems to have anti-cancer effects and um, it actually decreases the proliferation and inhibits the growth of different cancer types. And this might be because it actually um, suppresses some of their signaling pathways, but also because you, uh, when you use ginger, it decreases angiogenesis. It doesn't allow new blood vessels to form around those cancer cells. And so you're cutting off the nutrient supply to those cancer cells and hopefully they die off. Also, it's cardioprotective and it prevents the heart from scarring up and remodeling. So we try to preserve the pump function of your heart and protect heart cells from dying. And it can also, we've seen this actually in humans, have anti-atherosclerotic effects. So you have uh, decreased plaque formation, for example, helps you control your blood sugar, so a less inflammatory situation, and has also been shown to decrease LP little a, which is a lipoprotein that is a variant of LDL. And, you know, it's not a lot of things that will decrease LP little a. So this is fascinating to me. The other thing that it can do is it's an anti-platelet aggregation um, compound. So it decreases platelets from clotting and therefore helps prevent those uh, MI or heart attack events with the formation of clot. Now, interestingly, it also has effects on fat and in animal models has been well known to have anti-obesity properties, you decrease body weight, you decrease fat mass, and we see that people with obesity, when you give them ginger, they seem to actually lose weight and decrease obesity and have improved lipid panels. Primarily, their triglyceride levels drop. And as I said, in those mice models, you've even protected the liver from accumulation of fat and inflammation. We see that ginger decreases fat cell size and number and therefore decreases fat inflammation. In addition, it seems to help brown the fat, right? And turn it into more like brown fat so that we are actually consuming calories and making heat as a result and wasting calories that way. And that might be another way it can help with weight loss. All right, so before I go into the next part, which is to talk about how you can use the ginger, I just want to say this, okay? So because I have spent a long time dealing with patients, sometimes uh, there's this tendency to think, oh, well, there are all these good effects from ginger. So all I have to do is make sure I get my ginger, right? And then they'll be buying ginger supplements, they'll be having ginger everything. Okay, I just want to tell you that this is probably not going to work. And we've seen studies where, you know, some of the effects of ginger didn't seem to be very pronounced at all. And that's because if you are promoting inflammation in your body through poor diet, high unprocessed foods, lots of stress, poor sleep, right? 
and environmental toxins, alcohol, that kind of stuff. Well, it's like you have a burning building, you keep throwing matches at it, and then every once in a while you go and you blow on it and hope that, you know, you'll blow out the flames. Uh, yeah, no, that's not going to happen, right? Because as you're throwing the matches and you're blowing on it, right, that's kind of like keeping the inflammation going in your body while you're consuming massive amounts of ginger. So no, it's not going to work that way. You're going to have to decrease the inflammation and then having the ginger on board can be helpful. All right. So just wanted to get that piece out. Now, how can you, you know, consume the ginger? So back to Lourdes, I wouldn't do the juice form. Okay. Now she mixed it with the carrot juice. So I did a brief calculation and she sent me a picture of the glass. So I did a brief calculation and the amount of sugar in that tiny glass was equivalent to a small box of cereal, which already exceeds your added sugar levels for the day as a woman, right? So usually when you juice anything, you're taking away the fiber and you're really ending up just with a lot of sugar. So I don't encourage juice at all. I don't encourage juice in any form. Um, so I probably wouldn't juice the, the ginger. And also there's a tendency to add sugar to those things, like right, when you make juices, um, just to kind of sweeten it. So yeah, don't do it in the form of juice. Now, lots of people use ginger in their cooking. Personally, I hate it in cooking. I just hate, I love ginger in other forms, but even as a child, when it was in my food, cooked food, I would pick it out because I really hated that taste in conjunction with cooked food. I don't know why, but if you're not as picky as me and it's likely that you're not because I'm a little strange, I know. So you can consume it in your food, right? Bearing in mind that the stir-fried version, the sauteed version is uh, having less antioxidant um, capacity than the dried ginger, okay? So if you really want to go for the antioxidant impact, then dry your ginger and consume it in that form. Personally, I like to steep it in hot water and um, you know, I will let it sit for hours, uh, sometimes overnight, right? Hot water or even hot tea. So I love having um, sort of a ginger infused green tea. I love that. I don't add any sweeteners. I never take my tea with sugar. That's sacrilege, right? You grow up in Asia and you put sugar or any sweetener in your tea. That's crazy. So, you know, I just like the taste of ginger in hot water or in my tea that way. Now, if you prefer it cold, then obviously you can refrigerate it and you'll have it cold. Another trick, if you want to get ginger into your daily consumption here, you can also use the ginger infused water and make ice cubes out of that, right? So you can pop that in uh, an ice, ice cube tray and make some ginger flavored ice, which I think actually sounds yummy to me right now. Okay, what else? Uh, no ginger candies, right? Because 
those are just sugar and there's no real ginger in them oh but there there are these special ones that i found and it's the ginger root and then they have you know some just a little bit of sugar no it's no it no no okay again the processing is likely to have gotten rid of the benefits of the bioactive compounds and on top of that it's again like you know the match and then trying to blow it out at the same time right throwing the match at the burning building and trying to burn uh blow out the flames at the same time because you know the match would be the sugar and then if there are any bioactive compounds available in that ginger then it's negated by the match right so you're just going and the whole building is burning so not a good idea i wouldn't do ginger candies or uh, or, or anything like that um you can also so lourdes asked me this and i thought she says what do i do you know because she had made the juice i said why don't you just consume the ginger too did you save the pulp she said what would i do with it i said throw it in your yogurt right you could do that i think I, I could see myself throwing it in my yogurt. Somehow I can do the ginger in my yogurt, but when it's in food, I just like, ugh, I just pick it out. All right, so that's ingesting the ginger. But another thing to think about is topical application. What do I mean by that? You apply it on your skin. So maybe you can grind up or pound the ginger and you make it into a paste and you can use it as a skin mask because, oh, I forgot to say that it has strong antimicrobial activity. So it actually kills bacteria, kills viruses, even some fungus, so, okay? So that might be good for your skin. Just don't touch your eyes, please. And if you do, don't say I didn't tell you, all right? So don't touch your eyes, keep it well away from your eyes, but you could put that as a face mask uh, on overnight maybe, right? So that's another way you can use it. And, you know, some of the studies did have topical applications that were actually quite effective. Now, for the dancers and martial artists and movement artists, and that would be most of my friends, uh, pretty much all of my friends, um, what I have found useful when you have maybe a knee that isn't quite right, you know, there's some joint inflammation or soreness, uh, here's a tip. You can take castor oil and you pound your ginger, right? And you make your little ginger paste, thick ginger paste, and you mix it with um, the castor oil and you make a kind of poultice, right? And so you would, let's pretend it's your knee you're treating. So you could make this concoction and then you put it around the knee and now you're going to have to occlude it in some way because if you're going to sleep on it overnight your bed is going to be very messy so i recommend maybe like a saran wrap or something over that and then use an ace bandage to hold that all in but you still might want to protect your sheets you know because it's going to be pretty like oily especially with the castor oil but the castor oil has ricinoloic acid and this has been shown to have good anti-inflammatory effects so a lot of times um, i've seen you know uh, lots of 
sort of martial artists and some of my dancer friends use the castor oil around their knees and other joints and that has really helped with swelling and pain now mixing it with the you know ground ginger paste might give you an added effect okay so i think that would be a good way to do it is to mix the two and have a little poultice um, and use it you know at night overnight maybe a few nights in a row see how that works for you okay i think those were my tips on how to use the ginger the main one is just don't make it as a juice and don't have any of the candied stuff all right so lourdes i hope um this was helpful for you made this episode just for you and i thought you know maybe other people would want to hear about the benefits of ginger as well if you have questions you know again you know pop me a comment somewhere if you'd like to work with us well again drop us a line you can go to my website vivianloemd.com that's v-y-v-y-a-n-e-l-o-h-m-d.com so if you're interested in improving your metabolic health you want to decrease the inflammation in your body get rid of the matches while you add the ginger on then reach out to us also when you go to my website uh, you can check out the events section and that usually uh, I put the dates of my next live Q&A sessions so if you have questions for me that would be a perfect thing for you to attend uh, bring some of your questions bring any suggestions for topics if there are other herbs and spices that you want me to talk about let me know and otherwise I think I'm done for this episode so Signing out from VLMD Rounds, I'm Dr. Vivian Lowe, and I sing the body electric. Bye for now.